Welcome, everyone. Thank you. Uh, it's it's always a pleasure to have new people on and and uh, people who've joined me since the very beginning. And uh, this is this is fabulous. And so I look forward to this conversation with my friend Joni. Uh, Joni and I go way back to Asia, and yes. uh, now uh, we were both in Asia, and now we're both in Europe, and Joni's in Paris, and I'm in Berlin, and we're going to have a fantastic conversation about her work uh, with the transgender women in Paris, and so we'll just, we'll just go started. So why don't you, why don't you give us a little bit of introduction um, about who is, who is Joni? Yeah, Joni is from Alaska. I am a very proud Southeast Alaska girl, um, was born in Seattle, but raised there. And uh, very proud of growing up in that multicultural environment in a hippie household. So I say that because I feel like that, set, that God just used that to set me up for working with traffic people. Um, when in my hometown, there were, my parents would go out to the bars and the bars would bring in dancers, exotic dancers. And my parents would get to know them like people. And so they'd say, hey, why don't you come over for dinner? And so I never knew, you know, it was just these, these people that my parents were meeting and they'd come over for dinner. And we thought they were cool because they'd tell all these stories about all these places they'd been to. And it wasn't until I got involved with this work that I went, oh, shoot, I wonder if they were trafficked. So I kind of laugh about that intersection in my own biography um, with this movement. I did not ever intend to work with trafficking with traffic people. I was um, already a missionary uh, with an organization working in Africa, having a ball, just being a normal missionary really is what I say. I came There's such home a thing. To, There's no such thing. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> that there is, but you know, the old, I mean, I did things like drive horse carts yeah. and yeah. live yeah. without electricity in grass yeah. huts, you know, yeah. so yeah. I feel like that's that old stereotype. Yeah, right. <laughs> I came home to, to um, raise my support and heard about a project in South Asia and literally took it on as a prayer request, not ever intending to be involved, just was so impressed with the concept that they were working with people who had been trafficked into India for prostitution. And so I just started praying for them. That was all it was. And about six months later, I realized that the prayer request was more a call and really started asking questions and, and doing research and figuring out what this is all about. And within a year, I was officially accepted with that organization to work in South Asia. So I went to South Asia. I, I've been with Project Rescue is the organization I'm with, with the Assemblies of God. I've been with them since 1998, arrived in India in 1999. And so I kind of cut my teeth and learned all about this area in India with um, incredible practitioners um, who were also learning. And so in Calcutta, we just learned together, uh, worked in the one of the largest red light areas in the world, uh, resident population of about 13,000 women uh, during religious festivals that would peak to over 30,000. Yeah. And so it was immersed in it, you know. Uh, and then uh, was asked if I would consider coming to Europe when our project mo uh, moved into Europe. So I've had a ball. 
Great. And, and so um, then how, so then you moved to Europe and you moved from India to Paris. Okay. And so how long have yes, you been I here? Did. Yeah. I've been in Paris for five years now. Okay. Five years and like six weeks. <laughs> Excellent. So Excellent. Um, yeah. So I've been here five years. So um, tell us about, let's just start out and get a, give a background. Uh, give us a picture of what a prostitution, uh, sex work, uh, uh, sex exploitation, sex trafficking situation is there in, in Paris or may, or maybe um, France in general, if that's relevant. Yeah, it's um, the history of prostitution in France goes way, way back, you know, it to the Romans. Um, there were little places along, you know, throughout Gaul um, where the Romans would take captives or take women and, and do stuff. So it's nothing it's not new here. Um, the 19th century uh, actually became quite famous and Paris became pretty celebrated uh, in, uh, in the arts for prostitution. Um, but you can go back. Uh, Paris has had a long, long history with prostitution. It's funny, sometimes you watch these historical um, series and they'll throw in this little scene with the King of France, you know, sneaking away uh henry ii or henry IV sneaking away to paris to you know go to a brothel or something so it's not anything new um became much more celebrated to uh towards the end of the 19th century um with the beginning of moulin rouge and then pigalle starting up um around moulin rouge and more prostitution happening and then again in the mid 20th century uh, trafficking kind of got got going and you saw people being brought in from various parts of the world. Uh, so it isn't it isn't new to France. It isn't new to Paris, uh, but it's definitely much more diverse now than it's ever been. Yeah. So is it legal? Is it or uh, what's the legality well, there? Because what's the legal yeah, dynamic? The legality, it's tricky. I know. Yeah. yeah, it's tricky because it, they, uh, France adopted the Nordic model in 2016 officially. So it is no longer illegal to sell sex, but it is illegal to buy sex and to traffic people, to pimp people out. Um, so it's kind of new. Uh, you know, they're in a transition period and there's a lot of controversy over that. Yeah, yeah. And so how does... um. So now we're now let's get to the issue of the trans women because that's mostly I mean that's ninety nine point nine percent of the people in prostitution of the trans they're the trans women and so where are they are they falling more on the so they there to prostitute it's it's sort of not really legal but it is are they trafficked or or who's who are who are these who are the trans women yeah, kind of and it kind of depends on who you talk to yeah. as to whether they're trafficked or not. Mm-hmm. Um, the trans organizations, the advocacy organizations talk about them being migrant workers. And, you know, they've in more recent years, especially they come because they have a friend who's here who, um, you know, makes a way for them to come. So there's a lot of relational uh, movement that's happening uh, for them to come. Technically, many of them fit the trafficking definition in that they didn't have all the information when they came. They may have come to do, uh, you know, they may have been involved with prostitution already in their country and now they've come here. 
Um, so then you have to go back to the beginning of mm -hmm. how did they get into prostitution in their own country? So it's definitely in the realm, like it is in so many countries, of being very complex. Um, it's most of our people that we work with would not self-identify as trafficking victims. And some of them wouldn't even want to identify as being in sexual exploitation or in or um, being in prostitution against their will, that they would they would fall into that line of, I am a migrant worker, I'm an undocumented worker, mm -hmm. you know, I am here because I'm working. Right, right. And so you so think... So our people, to, yeah. I'm sorry, the second no, part okay. of yours, um, the people specifically that we work with are from South America. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so are they coming, so they're coming there to, to do sex work, to do prostitution, or do you think some maybe are. they've been, yeah, or do you think maybe they've some been are. told something? Some are coming, yeah, some, we had a case last year, we're still not entirely sure of the exact details, but it was a case, a repatriation case that we worked with, where we helped someone return to their home. She, and we assumed there was a high probability of tra trafficking. She was in a brothel, um, but she came to be the cleaner. Mm -hmm. So our relationship with her was very short. It was at the you know very, very beginning. She just said almost immediately to Elizabeth that she wanted to come home, to go home. So we don't have lots of really good detail on mm -hmm. her. Mm -hmm. But I think she illustrates a really common situation where someone is brought to do another job. Yep in a, a sexualized environment and then you know can be easily pulled into prostitution from that yeah and some are maybe instead of being drawn to paris they may be escaping um a life you know a discrimination or stigma back um where they've come from right back home. Yeah. some are coming in uh, because they want to do their sex reassignment sure. surgeries uh, and so then they, they get, they stay, you know, for that. So right. yeah, there are a lot of reasons. Yeah. And there's links. Like when I talk with Tina who works in Pisa, Italy, um, you know, they're talking like they'll have a friend, they'll have contacts and then, then they'll get, they'll get sponsored or they say, yeah, we can help fix you up here. And it, I'm sure it's a, a little bit the same for you there too. We have a bit of a family that uh -huh. we're working with where there's three members of a family who are here. And, um, and so, and then we're close with pretty much all, all three of them. Um, so, and they are not all trans, it's, you know, trans mm -hmm. and women mm -hmm. um, in that family who have come. Mm -hmm. I mean, a literal family, not a literal family. You're talking about a friend family. Literal family. Literal family. Yeah, okay. literal family. They are familial okay. related Interesting. in their own country. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, aunt, nieces, Hmm. sisters, you know, there's, yeah, sure. Yeah. A literal family. That's interesting. So talk a little bit, you know, paint a picture about what's a, what's a typical day when you're, when you're, when you're working. I mean, you mentioned project 25 and I, uh, you know, are you doing outreach are you in the street? Do you have a center, you know, what, what is, what does that look like? And, and, and how, how do you initiate, you know, are the women coming to you or your ladies coming to you? You know, just talk a, walk us through a little bit about you know how that works so one of the things that start i i feel like I, I i need to preface it with the beginning um elizabeth and i and i'm referring to elizabeth who is here so 
if I say something wrong, she's going to know it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But Elizabeth um, is the president of an association that has worked with refugees and refugee families for over 16 years in Paris (laughs) and has a very well-established reputation in uh, her arrondissement, the area of Paris where she's working. And um, they established a, uh, were able to buy a building on this, on, on a particular street. And she noticed that people in prostitution had moved onto the street, that they were living in apartments across the street, down the street, next door kind of thing. Um, and so they had also them with their association, they had started a church plant. And that's when I got involved because I happened to see that they were doing an afternoon church service and I was just exhausted and having a difficult time waking up in the morning to go to a local church near me. So I thought, oh, this will be perfect. I'll just go to afternoon service in Paris and then I can play in Paris the rest of the day. So I go, I think it was the second Sunday I was there, um, they had, started talking to me about this. Ailey and I met at a conference for Project Rescue. She told me kind of what was going on, so I knew about it. And the second time we were there, one of the late trans women walked by. They greeted her because that's their ethos. They're really good about, we are here for every single person who lives on our street. We're not here just for refugees. Um, Now with number 25, we're not here just for people in prostitution. We're here for every single person that lives on our street. So they greeted her and she didn't greet back. And the three leaders all in one voice turned to me and said, see, they won't even talk to us. What do we do? And that was my beginning with them was, okay, let's talk about this. Let's figure Mm -hmm. out how do we do that? Um, The next month, there was a horrible murder in, the Bois de Boulogne, where men, most of the trans women work, which is a forest on the west southwestern side of the city. And this person that they had greeted, who wouldn't talk to them, several weeks later, Ailey had Elizabeth had been able to talk to her, found out she spoke Spanish. Elizabeth is from a Spanish background. So that started that relationship. And then when this person was murdered, this excuse me, this, uh, our neighbor, our trans neighbor invited Elizabeth and um, to join her on the protest march about that person's death, which then led to Noemi and I being invited to go along. So our whole beginning was like things just fell in, fell in our lap. And then the following, we were invited to another event then by that um, organization that's an advocacy organization for for um, for trans people in Paris, and then in October we started number twenty five. So for us, our beginning is they live where we yep. are; they don't work there. So right. that I I need to say that to frame because our work is very different than anything I've done before. Yep. So we reach out as neighbors yep. in um, often I call it a, a ministry of hospitality. Yes. That you know, we have a drop-in time, come visit us, just drop in. You know, some will, some won't, depending on their day. Um, some are will come and stay for an hour. We um usually have a snack or coffee tea for them. So we'll just sit and visit this Tuesday. 
Um, one of our people came for over an hour. Um, we were there for about three hours and he was there for about an hour and a half. And we just chatted about, you know, what's going yeah. on today. And, yeah. You know, normal everyday life. Right. But in the course of those conversations, we will hear needs yes. or they may even ask for something. And so then we yes. can move um, from their own felt needs. Yeah. And I want to come back to that, but I just want to stress the point that this is, I know you're all about dignity and then this is organic. I mean, yeah, you're there to serve the neighborhood and you're there to serve everyone, but it's not like you had an agenda. You had no plan. You had a heart. And you wanted to be open to everyone, but then just waiting for the moment and and reaching out, saying hello and making contacts, and but then waiting on them to contact you. And then those relationships develop organically. It's not an agenda. You're not planning. You're not going to say, yes, this is our, we have a ministry for this and, and, and forcing, enforcing something uh, that's perfunctory. Um, but that right. you're just, but you 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 were there you planted yourself and you were ready to open your doors and so when the time was right well then then project 25 could start and now you yeah. now you have this drop-in center and people know and they they you know we know it takes a long time for those relationships to develop you know and trust yeah. and um that you're there where they and live also, and that's the whole yes yeah and i well, i was gonna say too the whole team was new except for me Mm. They were all brand new to this field. And so yep. I, I was very intentional about holding them back and letting them take baby steps. Mm -hmm. um, often they were saying, why can't we do this? Why can't we do this? Why can't we do this? And it's like, guys, you're so new. You need to get your feet wet and just kind of. And it's not about you. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not yeah. about you. And it's not yeah. about what you do. Yes, we, we do offer, but it's it's not about you. Yeah. And that's so important. So let's talk about moving. And so you have this drop-in center and you're developing relationships and people are feeling comfortable sharing their needs. And so then, you know, does that lead to them leaving or to stay or, you know, talk, talk us about like what you're offering and, and sort of a couple of stories about how you've been able to help um, people and what are, what are their needs? Is it, is housing a need? Is it, you know, what are the particular needs and how can you meet them? Um, and this is where, you know, Elizabeth has been such an amazing resource because I don't speak Spanish. I mean, I'm learning little word here and there, but um, I've had concentrate on my French. <laughs> but Elizabeth speaks Spanish and she's there during the week on other times to work with different families. And so she has been able to build this really amazing trust relationship where people will just come and they'll visit with her. She'll visit with them. She can, you know, direct and help. And because she's been working with refugees for so many years, she knows the system and she can navigate. She is French. So she can navigate the French social system in ways that I don't even understand because it's so different from the American social system. So that I mean, there's just no way hashtag Van Sank, it, which is what we're called in French, or number 25, could exist mm. without Elizabeth and our French teammates because they know that system. So um, Elizabeth has worked with various officials, with the mayor's office, um, 
there's a food distribution that happens normally every other Friday, but during COVID that happened every Friday. And that was, I mean, we ended up, we increased our contact list by 400% during COVID um, because of the food distribution and stuff. And now um, more recently, she said one of the, the um, organization, the advocacy organizations for transgender people is now sending some of their people to us for the food distribution. Mm -hmm. And that, and I say that because that shows the benefit of having a local champion, mm -hmm. a local person who understands the system um, because there are simply things she can do that I cannot do and probably will never be able to do. And that's good. Yeah. That's a good thing. So, so we, we did walk this person through last year through the repatriation case, uh, which was huge. It took a lot of effort. It took four of us, <coughs> excuse me. It took four of us working pretty much around the clock for um, seven to 10 days to get her out of the country. Um, and it took calls on mm. my part. Most of what I did was a networking part. And I had video chats and WhatsApp chats and texts and mm -hmm, emails mm -hmm. and phone calls yeah. with about 50 people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's that. like people don't understand the effort that it takes to help an individual, you know, when we're talking with someone who is, you know, probably trafficked and, and desperate. And, you know, so what are what are some of the other things? I mean, are are your neighbors, are they, you know, is it, is there a lot of violence or they're lacking housing or is it um, medical care or kind of what, give us a picture about what, what are, what are some of the, the ways that, you know, what's yeah. the niche, you know, that, you, that you're filling there? Our neighbors, it's not an issue of housing because mm -hmm. that's how we know them. They live okay. in the apartments on our street um, across from us and stuff. Um, violence very much so is a part we've had mm -hmm. uh, two significant issue issues one with a survivor beating up her boyfriend one with a boyfriend beating up a survivor um, it two and two different people so yeah violence is a big one and again Ailey's like okay you need to file a report with the police you need to yeah. you know go willing to do that. So she's trying to encourage them to do that. Mm -hmm. We had a case uh, of a child, a child bride, where she was, the bride price had been paid uh, for her. She wasn't, um, she's another one of our neighbors. Ailey had to, yeah. you know, go to bat for her yeah. with the government. Um, a lot of our work with the, <coughs> sorry, with the interface with uh, French social services is more helping them to get their papers and documents mm -hmm. in order to get them into the French classes to help with, you know, we have one that we've walked now through with getting a job. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Elizabeth's sister, it, who's one of our teammates was able to help with that. She's a human resources manager. So, you know, she so your neighbors are at least legal. They're illegal. They're there legally. Mostly. Um, Boy, I don't know if I can okay. answer that okay. uh, with expert knowledge. They right. are definitely working on documentation. Sure. Okay. So some of them now are legal mm -hmm. and some aren't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So is it you find a willingness? I mean, not the, and I know that that's not an expectation of there's no expectations on your help to be contingent on 
on leaving prostitution or detransitioning or anything like that. And I just want to say that for our listeners that, you know, there's that you're extending help uh, and dignity and, and honor to another human being without any expectations for any of their behaviors. Um, and that they're, that it's, that's fine. But are you, are you seeing people wanting to leave or, or being able to help facilitate, you know, different work out of prostitution or are you, you know, what, what are, what are, what are some, what does that look like? I mean, you may not have any stories like that and that would be okay. No, we do. We definitely have one person who has interviewed, done her trial day with um, a business, a French business and been offered and been given a job. And that was the process that Elizabeth's sister helped so much with to help her get her CV together and all of that. We do have a person who um, became a Christian and we don't know the sequence of events, but in the course of, uh, of all that time, then um, exited prostitution and detransitioned. And Big steps. It, 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 <laughs> those, those are, are huge. huge. Those are huge. So, and that was all before all before I ever met the person, all three of those steps happened before I met the person. Um, So we've been walking with him in his journey um, of doing that. So, yeah, that's why I say it's such a mixed bag. You know, Uh, we've got people who would love to, to leave prostitution, but just don't have the means right yet or who don't feel like they can. We've had a number of people with medical issues, um, uh, with cancer and going through chemo and radiation and, you know, all of that. Um, so yeah, it's basically, you know, we take what's presented to us on a daily basis. Our dream, of course, I mean, I'm a Christian. Yeah. My dream is that everyone knows Jesus and has that peace that that Jesus gives, and mm-hmm. that and to know that the dignity that God gives because He created them in His mm-hmm. image. Um, but that doesn't mean just because they don't want to be a Christian, I'm going to stop right working with and them. And there's and there's know? no agenda. You're not yeah. No, and and there's absolutely yeah. there's absolutely no agenda um, for working with them, and they're not your you know salvation project or anything like that. Um, but we're going to create the space for that. Of course. So, well, I mean, but you are, I mean, by meeting, I mean, you just follow, like, this is your, you meet needs and you love them and you offer them help when no one else was, because, you know, we know what it's like. We were talking before about taking them because when you do take them to the doctor, you do take them to the municipal office, you do take them to places and then, then they'll get, then they're treated terribly absolutely nasty, nasty responses, um, from the people, the helpers in the system. Um, so, and then being able to stand up with them and say, no, I'm with this person. Right. And yeah. Yeah. And we're going to say, we had even, um, one of my favorite stories to talk about just with the overall behavior and attitude on the street. When we first started three years ago, you know, if we saw our, one of our neighbors walk by and we were inside the local Turkish restaurant that we all love, it's like our office, we would invite them to come in and join us. And um, the first time that Noemi, my co-facilitator, when she and I saw our neighbor and we invited her to come join us, we were out, there's two sections of the restaurant. One is a little bit more private, but we were out in the main area. Every table around us got up and left. And it was quite obvious 
that they weren't all finished with their meal. And Noemi and I just afterwards, we talked about it and said, okay, that was just odd. And we noticed that for a couple times. Now that's not the case. Mm. We Our people can come in and eat with us all the time and people don't get up and leave. Even when we're in the back part, that's more private. If a family's back there, they'll stay. Mm. So I think that's been a cool thing to see. Yeah. That we've established that they are our people, that yeah. they are our friends, they are with us. And yeah. They're not, you know, that they can be respected on that end. Yeah. And I think that's good. cool. The other big development for us is um, in February, we started a once a month Spanish speaking church service for mm -hmm. them. And so now we've got, you know, because they wanted five, it, right? Yes, they, I know coming. you talked about that. It's, it's just amazing. Like, it's so cool to see yeah. all these things just happen because yep. it was out of felt needs. Yeah, and you know they're coming from countries um, that are Catholic and religious, and they right. have this background. They have this need. They, I mean, and and they might have felt that you know their past, quote unquote, religious community, you know, rejected them there. But they're finding they're trying they're finding true love. And true the the true love of God, the true love of their Creator there, and so that's cool. So talk about what are some. I'm going to talk about some challenges i'm going to talk about you've talked about some blessings but you know what are some challenges you know what are you facing or what what's what's new what what's what's challenging i would say the biggest challenge is with volunteers staff mm -hmm. and volunteers spanish speaking volunteers in a french-speaking country yeah um that definitely has has been a challenge. Uh, one of our teammates is from Colombia, actually. Uh, well, and then another one of our volunteers. We actually have two volunteers from Colombia, but one has been gone uh, professionally for um, her job. But uh, and then Noemi, who's American but is Spanish speaking, um, she's in the states right now, raising support. Elizabeth is Spanish speaking. Her sister is Spanish speaking. But then the, there are others of us that, you know, we're, we're learning French, which is a benefit because our people are learning French. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you know, we can speak broken French to one another and it helps them too. But definitely having staff, um, I would say Christian Spanish speaking staff who, and we know in our area, especially amongst um, in our evangelical more traditional Christian um, milieu, working with transgender people is very, very different. It's something yep. that's not, uh, it's not an opportunity we have. And so having people be willing yep. to step back and just, okay, we're ju they're just people. Yeah. Um, right. You know, yeah. that we've all had to walk through that of what does this look like to walk with somebody who looks so different than we expect? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and and then for our Americans and uh, I've heard it from UK people, too, because the transgender movement is so politicized in our countries. Yeah. We come in with a whole different set yeah. of expectations that don't match up with the experience of our people. No, that's um, absolutely, that's absolutely true. It, yes, huge. it looks different. It looks way different. Cause in Berlin, I'm seeing lots of trans um, from Eastern Europe and they're in Berlin. 
um, for sex work. And so that's, you know, that, you, you know, there's some things that are sort of universally true about trans and then, but there's a lot of things that aren't. And, right. and I think, you know, as we talk about one of my last questions and I, I want to make sure we have time for our, our guests here, but, uh, you know, you know, if people have a particular heart to reach out for trans, you know, what would you recommend? You know, how could people start out or, or it could be just something like just get in touch with us. So what would you say um, about that? You know, because you need volunteers. So then well, what would it, what would it look like for people to kind of, you know, reach out and, yeah, we need you know, get involved? Yeah. I mean, maybe not yeah, for you, really but I mean, but there's yeah, people. We need French volunteers big time, but yeah, yeah we need volunteers. Um, you know, always my first thing, and this was in the very first conversation that, that day at the church with the three leaders, it is a matter of just being willing to say hi yeah. and to then wait for a response and to not, because it is frustrating and it will take time, um, but that being willing to say hi and introduce yourself and just stop and pause is such an important step because we we keep going back to dignity but it does give people that sense of oh you see me as a human being yeah you don't see me just as a trans person and we can and do that while standing in line at the checkout in the supermarket yeah yeah <laughs> hey what a concept say let's say hi to our neighbor whoever they are and how about that even when that's a kind of a countercultural thing because you know here in france you don't always greet everybody well that's um, true but it's a really really important step um and one of the most amazing things that happened for me was within three months i was running up my street up the street to catch the metro and one of our ladies saw me and i didn't see her and she literally reached out and grabbed my arm and stopped me turned me around and said you need to greet me. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm so sorry. It had become such a big part yeah. of what we were doing. Cool. Um, so now, yeah, just re just notice people and reach out. Secondly, talk, find out organizations that are working with trans people, even if like this organization that, that um, we've had some contact with, you know, even if they're not, on the same page as you still, you know, look at their website at the very least, read their yeah. website and yeah. get to know what they're doing. Um, and then just find if you can really find a group that is already doing something always, that's the best, even if they're terrible. I mean, I've said that because some, some organizations don't have good practices, but you learn. Yeah, well, um, we're we're working on that, aren't we, jo Joni? <laughs> yeah, so, we're, we're, I mean, but if you, but, but you know, to anyone listening, to but to anyone listening, if you really are, I mean, this is just we're having a short conversation here, but you know, please reach out. Um, some of you may have seen my interview with Tina, who is working in Italy, Excellent. and um, so we we all are colleagues together, uh, working in Europe, and so please do reach out to us for more questions and things like that. And so, um, is there anything else you want to say? Cause I, I will just to wrap up, otherwise we'll, we'll continue yeah. this conversation with our guest participants yeah. here. Let's and let them ask questions. But the thing I would say is I can say from the depths of my heart, I have landed in the ministry that God's been preparing me for my entire life. And it is the best thing that I've ever been involved with. And 
Yeah. I have learned so much from our neighbors and mm. they are just precious, precious, precious people. They are teaching me things that I couldn't have learned in other places. Um, so True. just don't be afraid to work with a group of people that you never thought you could work with. Um, just, just say hi and say hi in. and have an open heart yeah. and learn a teachable yeah. spirit. That's for sure. Yep. That is, that is for sure. So, well, it's been, it's been really awesome. Well, I'm sure you'll be back on again. Um, we have lots more to talk about and, uh, this has been lovely. And so now we're going to get to questions that our, uh, our, uh, guest participants have been patiently waiting during our conversation. And so I will stop the recording and, uh, we'll see you, um, back here again. Bye. <laughs>